0: 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Paul said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. These were the dying words of the Apostle Paul. Let me ask us, if we are given the opportunity to entertain final thoughts before we die, how will our thoughts compare with these? Paul had been condemned to die because of his life of faith and work as an apostle. He was ready. Are we ready? We're going to consider Paul's resignation, his reflection, and his reward. First, there is resignation. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. In Old Testament passages that describe the worship of the Jews— Through the priests and Levites, there were sometimes called drink offerings poured out beside the altar and considered finished at that pouring. Paul's life was now about to be offered or sacrificed. He had a clear view of that end. With a nobility only Christians can enjoy, Paul said, He was ready. I am now ready to be offered. Let it be noted that earlier in his life, he was not this certain. According to Philippians 1 in verse 23, he was in a dilemma or a strait between life and death. He thought about those alternatives and didn't know which to desire. Then said he wanted to be with Christ. Now, at this point in his earthly sojourn, there is no dilemma. He knows death is near he is ready, he is resigned, he was packed and ready to go. Are you? It will be healthy to inquire. What are your thoughts about your death? Not death as a general subject, but your death. If you learned you would die next week, what would your words be today? What would you do? Who would you see? How would you pray? What unfinished business would you attend to? What conflicts would you seek to resolve? We ought to learn from Paul's life and his teaching that we can, by faith in Christ, be ready for death and assume a resigned disposition once we discover our end is near. Number two, reflection. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Look back over your life just from this point. What do you see? What have you done with your life? Now, what reflections do you want to cherish before you die? Determine what you want those to be and change your present course in life to fit those anticipated good reflections. At the end of the road, when you look back, do you think how much money you have made, does that matter? How many places you have visited? How many people you know? How many friends you have on Facebook? How many arguments you've won? What will matter? What mattered to Paul? What were the objects of his reflection? Three metaphors are employed by the apostle in this passage. As a soldier, he took confidence in his militant stand for truth and right against sin and error. It had been a good fight. He makes no apologies for his engagement in the battle. He had used the word of God to take Satan and his armies to task. He had joined with other soldiers of Christ to fight against error. These were the dying words of a soldier leaving active duty. Number two, as an athlete, he had finished the race. This required the energy of faith, the motivation of hope, and the endurance Christ supplies his faithful servants. One of the saddest scenes on earth is to see a Christian run faithfully for a while, only to quit, to fall by the wayside, to fade away and take a different direction in life altogether. Paul had finished the course and could now anticipate the crown of victory. And then, third, as a steward, he had kept. The faith. He had received a charge from the Lord and had kept that charge. The work had cost him his status among his countrymen and inflicted much pain, but he did not abandon the faith. His reflection included these thoughts of his life as a soldier, as an athlete, as a faithful steward. We need to consider. Though we do not function as apostles, the New Testament teaches we are to be soldiers on active duty, we are to run the race, and we have a charge to keep. Let me develop that, please, from Scripture. Just as Paul was a soldier, we are to be soldiers. Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. We are to be soldiers, just as Paul was a soldier. We will someday go out of active duty. We want to be able to look back at our journey in life as a faithful soldier of Jesus Christ. Then as runners, Hebrews twelve one and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Just as Paul was a soldier, we are soldiers. Just as Paul was a runner in a race, we are runners in a race. And just as Paul was a steward under a charge, so are we. First Peter four ten 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that In everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. So as Paul went off of active duty, as he approached the time of his death, he looked back as a faithful soldier, a diligent runner, and a steward who had been faithful to his charge. And that ought to be so with us. When your life draws to a close if you are granted opportunity to reflect what will be the substance of that reflection will we be able to say we have worn the whole armor of god and used the sword of the spirit will we be confident that we have finished the race will we be able to look back over our lives and reflect on our faithful stewardship paul's reflection i hope will be ours if we are given opportunity to review our lives just before we die. Third, Paul's statement shows the concept of reward, the crown of righteousness. This is not reward in the sense of wages received for work done, this is reward that is based on the generosity of God, the mercy of God. The grace of God needs to be central in all our thoughts about final reward because it is central in the New Testament. However we were, we come into the kingdom with tainted past lives at the mercy of God and dependent on the sacrifice of Christ. We come as sinners wanting to be forgiven. Even after being baptized into Christ, we have no claim that we measure up that we've earned something because of our great performance. So all thoughts of anticipated reward need to acknowledge the amazing grace of God. Here, in the case of Paul, when he says, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, this is no claim of merit. With all he did so well, he was still conscious of resting on the mercy of God. Note this. When Paul was tempted and tried, was his strength self-generated? A few verses after our text, notice this in verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully. He said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul came into the kingdom from a sinful past. And during the time of his sojourn, he was completely dependent on the grace of God. And now, without any doubt, as he spoke this great reward, there was no thought or claim of personal merit. This crown of righteousness was given, not earned. Look at verse 8. Finally, There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. This crown not earned, but given. And Paul indicates this was not some sort of exclusive claim for an apostle. No, he says not to me only but also to all who have loved his appearing. The reward of grace, the crown of righteousness to all who have loved his appearing. I hope you love his appearing. The emperor of Rome had pronounced a death sentence against Paul. But there was something of higher significance in the heart of Paul. The ruler of heaven and earth had pronounced upon him the victors crown of righteousness. Perhaps his enemies thought he would spend his last moments in despair. Instead he lifted up his eyes in joy and hope and gratitude. As he wrote in Titus one verse two, there is this hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. That overrides any decree of men. So what do you anticipate when you face the end, when this life is over? Given your present response to God, your relationship with Jesus Christ, the conduct of your life, the formation of your thoughts and deeds, what do you think is ahead? What will your spirit be if you have opportunity to entertain last thoughts before you pass?